that pain, I think, just meeting it face to face and walking through that with God and seeing exactly where he was through all of it, that is something that I am so grateful for. Welcome back to another episode of the Tried and Truly podcast. Today, we are joined by another powerful guest, Jenny Luttrell. Jenny is a mom and a wife with so many spiritual and creative talents, and she has a story to share and one that I know we can all relate to. Today, we're going to talk about the battle against sin and shame. And I personally have been so blessed to get to know you, Jenny, over the last (laughs) several years. And you're just a light and a joy to everyone you meet. So um, I really appreciate you being here today. Well, I am grateful that you ladies had me on. I feel kind of starstruck because I listen to you guys all the time. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for listening. (laughs) So I'm excited. Yeah, and Jenny, I know you have told me that although it's not easy, you've been feeling like that tug, that pull on your heart to share your story, even though it's scary, because your struggles and being open, it really helps other people realize they're not the only ones. Yeah, absolutely. Like It's all about peeling behind that perfect like family Facebook photo Mm -hmm. that you Mm -hmm. spent forever yelling at your family to like put together (laughs) and everything. (laughs) So yeah, the, the time pretty much like after high school in between now, I refer to as my dark ages. And in high school, I was definitely not perfect. But when I got to college, everything just, I mean, the wheels, it really fell off. And I spent so much of my adulthood since graduation just looking back and hating the person that I was in college. And it just filled me with so much regret. If I could just go back and do it over again, everything that I would change. And that just killed me. And that fueled so much of what I ended up doing after after college. But, you know, God was so gracious to just walk me through healing. And he did that through talking about it. Um, the first time that I got asked to talk about it, it really was painful to go back there and open up stuff Mm -hmm. and tell people about stories that, you know, a lot of people didn't know. And that pain, I think just meeting it face to face and walking through that with God and seeing exactly where he was through all of it. That is something that I am so grateful for. I don't know exactly why, but when I got to college, my mom dropped me off and it was just like, whoa, freedom. You know, this is like the movies. They, you know, we've been raised to know that you're in college and it's time for you to just let loose. This is what college is about. Class Mm -hmm. is a second thought. You're here to party and that's it. And so that's what I did. I mean, I was probably an hour after my mom left and I was drunk. I woke up the next day. I mean, I couldn't tell you what we did that night. And looking back, I I mean, it literally just started there and it did not stop. And it was just one drunken night that would kind of just melt into the, the morning after and then it would go into the next to try and feel better. It just was a time period that looking back on, I could not get out of and I did not even realize how dark and 
I think maybe lost I felt Mm -hmm. because before I left for college, I knew Jesus and I went to church and I did all the things, but I didn't know how to have a relationship with Jesus. And Mm -hmm. I I just didn't know that I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And I think that all of us as adults now – I mean, we probably have that period in our life where it's just plagued with sin or self-pleasure or seeking attention from others. So I'm just wondering, Jenny, like, how did you break the cycle? Like, what kind of triggered that for you? And then how did you break it? Well, I would love to say that I graduated and, like, got on with life. But it took a long time after that. Um, It was actually our junior year of college is where I met my husband And he was living the exact same life that I was. And when we found out we were pregnant, it was about, it was probably about a year that we were together. And at that time we were really struggling. We were on food, uh, food stamps and WIC checks and, you know, had a conversation one night between like, this is what we've got left. Are we going to do electricity or groceries? And, you know, we sat there and we just basically said like, never again we'll never be here again. So we just kind of chased job after job after job and, you know, better cars and houses. And I mean, it was great for a while, but I got into liquor sales and I thought it was just the coolest job ever. And it had awesome perks, which were probably giant weaknesses for me. And after our third was born, something like just broke in me. And I found postpartum depression. For me, it was like just this utter like I don't want to do anything but be with her and it got a lot heavier than that um the day before I was supposed to go back to work from maternity leave I was on my way to get my hair done because I thought maybe that would make me feel better and my sales manager called and I freaked out I freaked out he was doing nothing more than just telling me that he's excited to have me back and I I pulled over to the side of the road ignored his phone call and I quit my job I called HR that second and I quit my job and my husband had absolutely no idea wow um so yeah so I left our family super vulnerable there was one night I was rocking my daughter to sleep it just felt like I was such a disappointment like it was almost like everything playing back all at once like how did I get here you know I felt like I was such a disappointment to my husband and to my family and to my kids and I was I was rocking her, and I, I just felt so sorry that she had me as a mom. And looking at what I thought I would have been at mm-hmm. 28 and not being anything like that, I just, I thought, man, this would be so much better without me here. They would be so much better off if I just was not here anymore. And I was like, well, you know, I... I can't do that myself. So I just was like, God, just please, just get rid of me. Just make an accident happen. Have something where they can just like be free. And it was it was praying that, that kind of all of a sudden was like a gut check where, okay, I haven't prayed in so long and this is what I'm praying for. And I just, I was, I just said help. That was it. And wow. Uh, shortly after that, I got an invitation to um, a retreat. It's a four-day retreat known as the Great Banquet, and they've got different names for it now. But 
it was scary. My sister had gone and I thought it was going to be just like a cult kind of thing. Like, okay, <laughs> we're just going to go there for four days. And, <laughs> and like she went through it and was super changed, right? And I was like, I don't know what they're doing there, but whatever yeah. it works. So I'll go. And I was terrified. It was me in a gymnasium on a military cot, like, you know, just a few feet away from 75 <laughs> other women. And I was terrified. Like these women in my head were church girls. You know, if I couldn't really tell them what I had done or, you know, yeah. I got to put on a perfect face again. And they just loved the crap out of me. I mean, absolute strangers. And it's through the stories of their brokenness and their shame and what they have done and been through and the the way that their faith still stood so strong through all of that. It absolutely changed my life my thought process on everything Mm -hmm. and the girl that was sitting next to me um had shared something that was really really tough that she had been through and she had never told anybody about it and she was just the sweetest thing I've I'd ever seen and to hear her like open up about this awful thing that had happened to her more than once and it was betrayal by people that she thought she was safe with and I mean there the whole room right stopped once they you know, the directors kind of saw what was going on from the other side of the room. Um, all of a sudden I look up and like, there's just like a hand over here praying for her and like another hand, like praying on her. And she had said, you know, through all all this stuff happened, her dad had died on a day. It was July 3rd and she didn't know how to deal with it. The next year she, um, had a friend that thought, she was safe with actually you know knew what she had gone through and knew that that day was hard for her he took advantage of her that night in a really terrible way and um she said she just didn't want to ever talk about it again july 3rd is the a day she doesn't know how to cope with and um the whole room just stopped and they prayed for her and at that moment i was sitting there and i was like i was like wow this is really neat that you know these people are caring so much and stuff like that but you know i'm in it all right like i'm gonna pray too And then we had to break for the next speaker. And the next speaker came up and did a really powerful talk about what she was going through and this nasty divorce that was coinciding with losing her job. And it all culminated on the same day. And um, she said through that, it could have broken me. But, you know, instead of making July 3rd the worst day of my life, God showed me through this, you know, scripture in this way and through grace now July 3rd is is a day I celebrate because I know that I have him there like it felt like the most unexplainable coincidence that this poor girl had just shared that July 3rd was the most difficult day that she had and she doesn't know how to deal with it every year that it pops up and then this other random woman is speaking about how God helped her through the worst day of her life and Mm -hmm. it was July 3rd and it felt like you know these women don't know each other. This girl had said no to her invitation twice already. Wow. You know, why are you here? Was it for you to hear her, you know? But either way, I don't know how how it connected for either of them. But for me, it like struck. And I don't know why it hit me so hard. But I was like, I can't explain my way out of this. All it was was this is real. You're real. And it felt like love. And it felt like I want to be a part of that. I want that comfort. And I just said, okay, I'm in. I didn't want to let it go. All I know is what it was like before I felt that, before 
Jesus for real. And I, yeah. And I'll do anything wow. to never go back. And that's what I've done. Yeah. Wow. That is such an incredible story, Jenny. And it's so amazing to me to see how God works through our lives. You know, yeah. you went from that desperate moment in your daughter's bedroom, literally crying out to God for help. And then just shortly thereafter, you're invited to this retreat where you were able to to experience and and be with other women who were struggling deeply just like you were. And in the way that girl's story of brokenness on July 3rd so eerily lined up with the speaker's mm-hmm. story of how you know she overcame her struggles by the grace of God and now celebrates July 3rd. I mean, people say that, you know, there's such a crazy coincidence, but I just don't think there there are really coincidences. I mean, it's real it's all God's plan. And and take it a step further, God put you in that room so you could witness the healing and the comfort that mm-hmm. those other women, you know, experienced and then in witnessing that, you were able to say like that's it. I'm in and give your life to God. So yeah, this is just amazing. That is what is so overwhelming to me is seeing the way that he works and is so intricately there. And, you know, he's not just, oh, she said, you know, she said she needs me. Let's see. Mm, I'll throw her here and see what happens there. You know, it's just so wonderfully crafted and yeah. I could have sat at any other table I I I you know I would have heard different stories yeah. but the way that he has been there for everything through everything and it's painful to think back you know the things that I made him see you know the things that I made him watch just like I fear my own kids mm-hmm. you know I, I want to make sure that we can help them kind of avoid the same things but from that, you know, he just works. He works. And we don't know what it's going to be like and what he's going to do with it. And when I gave that, my first talk for the awakening, you know, I thought it was going to be for teenage girls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think, okay, I'm going to go there. I'm going to save y'all. None of you are going to go do this. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Like, you're welcome. Yeah. Now your life will be great. Go follow Jesus. Right. And, um, um, the person that came up to me after I gave it, when we were all, you know, saying our goodbyes and about to leave for the weekend was a girl that was actually on the team. And she came up to me and she was, she was emotional. And she said, I think that God brought me here so I could hear your talk. And I just was moved by that. Cause I was, you know, you, yeah, it's not what I thought. <laughs> You're on the team. You have it together. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And Jenny, in the talk you gave, you called out one of my favorite societal messages that is so popular. It's YOLO. I don't know what that means. YOLO. <laughs> I don't know what it means. Lori. What does it mean? Lori, it means you only live once. So essentially, oh. do whatever you want. Do whatever makes mm-hmm. you happy. Because YOLO, you only live once. I feel so old. <laughs> I have no idea. It's tough to be this hip. I was going to spell it out because I figured if my mom was listening, she would want me to spell it out. But now, Lori, you needed it spelled out. So, <laughs> Your mom and I have something in common. And I, I take that like as such a great compliment. <laughs> Two of my favorite people, but don't know what YOLO means. But it's probably a good thing because honestly, nowhere in God's word does it say YOLO. Nowhere does it say pursue your happiness at all costs. Yeah. In fact, 
it says the opposite in Matthew 16, 24. Jesus tells us that if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Doing what we Mm -hmm. want, what we want to do all the time, it doesn't usually turn out very well. Like, I want to know, Jenny, what's your response to, you know, society telling us to just do whatever we feel like, do whatever makes us happy, YOLO? (laughs) I would say, like, how dare you? How dare you limit me? Honestly, Mm -hmm. because in saying like, go do what makes you happy, like focus on you. I mean, sure, there's like little truths in that, but not fully telling Mm -hmm. me that, you know, go do what makes you happy to live the best life ever. It's limiting me because what I thought I wanted out of life left me crying, you know, in my daughter's rocking chair asking for death, mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. And wow. once I finally decided, you know, I'm I'm going to be here for you, God. I want to serve you. I want to put yeah. you first. I mean, life's been so much different and I've gotten so much more joy out of it. And I'm doing things I never thought that, A, I I would do. It never would have been on my radar or things that I would ever be equipped for. And if I would have told me that five years ago or 10 years ago, you know, I'm going to try and be, you know, in women ministries, like me would have been like, what? It sounds so boring. (laughs) Right. But it's just something that I can't get enough of. So, I mean, society, you have nothing. (laughs) And I think people who are non-believers or are looking to like, maybe they're looking to find faith, right? They look at people who call themselves Christians and they're like, I know what you did in your past. You're a sinner, you know, or like decisions we're making now, like we still live in sin. And I want to scream to people like, I know I'm a sinner. That's why I needed Jesus. And I'm still a sinner. And that's why I need Jesus. Um, But I think like we feel like we have to hide behind it and feel shameful for our sin. But in Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, it's really clear that like nothing is ever hidden from God's sight. But, you know, thankfully, like he doesn't want us to live in that shame. He doesn't want us to hide like Adam and Eve. You know, he offers us freedom from that shame through Jesus and through salvation. And, you know, I find hope in Hebrews 4.16 because it says, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I love that. I always heard grace and mercy. They always kind of went together for me, but I never really thought about what those words mean. To me, I thought they were like the same thing. But mercy is like, you deserve death. Like your sin should sentence you to death. And having mercy is you're not receiving that punishment, you know? And it's just amazing to me, you know, like with our kids, offering them grace when they make mistakes. It's the same gift that God gives us. And for me, like those two words are so powerful. And that's how I can overcome the shame I feel is like really just meditating on those two words. And I'm interested, Jenny um, and Michelle, too. Like, how do you overcome the shame you feel with past sins or present sins? Yeah, you're right about how we can get trapped, I think, by thinking about what other people think of us and who they used to know us to be. And that is something that I think was very scary for me at first. Yeah. Because a lot of people didn't know I even went away for a weekend. So, you know, 
what's going on with you now? I just saw you five days ago. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's yeah. it's like uh, it's kind of like when Jesus goes home, right? And everyone's like, "Who are you to talk like this? Like you're just mm-hmm. the carpenter's son. Like we know you, you know." And that is that's tough. But I feel like that is. I mean, that's, those are chains that are always waiting to wrap themselves around us is the enemy is just waiting for the best moment, right? So right when you start to get wind in your sails, it's like he's always there in your ear just to remind you about what you used to do. That shame is, I, I have found, that's the hardest thing to get over yeah. is other people keeping you locked in that prison. I think mm-hmm. of who you used to be. I mean, that's tough. But for me, my anchor scripture has been in Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And it just reminds me constantly, like, I'm just not that person that I used to be by his grace. And I have him with me all the time. And when it says that I live on this earthly body, in this earthly body, by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, I mean, what is everybody else doing for me, mm-hmm. you know, that that want to hold those chains on me or or say I used to be like this or like that? And that's honestly been what I like to go back to. You know, we're not the same people that we used to be. And that's what God does. He's in the business of changing us. And I'm just so excited to be a part of it. I love that. So I think for me, um, I think the only way to to get over our own self and our sin is to fix our eyes on something else, mm-hmm. you know. And one of the things that I know, Jenny, you and I have in common, a turning point for me was music and turning on a beautiful worship song. It just brings me a lot of peace and it helps me to fix my eyes on Jesus instead of thinking about my own sin or shame. So that's been really helpful to me. And I, I know worship music, Jenny, was was one of the things that, that you really encourage people to do. And, and so it's not just like you're listening to it on Sunday, you're doing it every day. But I wanted to ask you... Like, what other tips do you have to to help people build that close relationship with Jesus that you found? Yeah, absolutely. The music is definitely a favorite for sure. And I, I know that you've said to Michelle that um, it's cool now that your kids will sing along too and they know the words. Yes. Yeah, I remember hearing someone talk about that and saying, oh, my kids know all the words now. And I just was like... I mean, my kids would never get to that level. And now they do too. And it's 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 really awesome. But yeah, I mean, for me, it's studying and being in the word every day. And that is something that used to sound intimidating to me. It mm-hmm. used to sound like a chore. But it's just so important to how I start the day. And I've even recently started to learn to calm down on a lot of like the devotionals and the topic books and stuff like that mm-hmm. and just get in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, period. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You know, I so often get lost on like, oh, I'm feeling this way. I need to find, I need to find a, a book that's based on this or yep. anxiety or stress or parenting. So just getting in the Bible and, and meditating on that was something that I thought, used to be crazy, but just being silent is so helpful. Mm-hmm. It's just all about what works for you, you know, whether it's five minutes or an hour, you know, it's just, it's what I need. And then the the third thing for me is just fellowship. 
I was determined to not lose what I had going on, but I knew I couldn't do that by myself. So finding friends to keep me accountable. And what's been really great is seeing the difference where I get hard truths with my Mm -hmm. Christian sisters. I can tell them about a problem that's going on. I can come to them with sin that I've fallen to again, and it is always with love and um, encouragement. Or if I've got an issue, I don't get told just what oh, I want to hear. Good. Yeah, and that is so important to me, right? It, it's you know I've wanted to surround myself with not just moms either. You know I want to seek out older women and wiser women that have just been doing this a lot longer and know know a few right. things. That's good. Well, Jenny, this has been so, so much fun. I love that you were willing to share this with us. And God has so many wonderful things in store as he uses you in ministry. So I'm so excited for that. I do have one question, though, and I I can't quit thinking about it. When you quit your job on that Friday, did you actually, like, did you go get your hair done? I did. I did. I did. You did. Yep. Okay. I didn't know how that would like what you do after just, just wrecking your life. Yeah. Your job without, yeah. Listen, I had my priorities straight that day. I just had to know. I thought you were going to hit us with some hard biblical truth, Lori. Sorry, it was just weighing on me. I just needed to know. Did you leave no, that no. girl hanging at the salon? Oh. But I, I do have to say, like this episode is so eye opening for me as I look at my own kind of personal shame and sin and realizing that Jesus has forgiven me. He died on the cross and I need to forgive myself. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, Lori. We have to forgive ourselves. It's such a good reminder because we get caught up in that Mm -hmm. shame and feeling guilty about past sins or that we don't deserve forgiveness. And it truly just is uh, the enemy working to distract us from doing the good work that God has for us. So Jenny, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and um, agreeing to be on the podcast. And our prayer is that your story and this episode will encourage everyone to say goodbye to shame so that we can focus in on Jesus and on all the good things that God has planned for us. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tried and Truly podcast. Please subscribe and check us out at tridandtrulypodcast.com to connect with us, see our show notes, and much more. See you next time.